You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. This is Kim. And this is Chris, and you're listening to the Earn and Invest Podcast. My goal was never to retire. It was never to stop making money. Yet, as I found myself well into young adulthood with a job, a profession that was no longer fulfilling my needs, I defaulted to financial independence and the idea of retiring early. And I did just that, or well, almost. I still work 15 hours a week, and if you consider this podcast a job, then I work a lot more than that. I still make money, but the money is not needed. It's extra. Padding. Insurance. And, by the way, I still have everyday problems and worries, just not money problems. Am I happier? For sure. But the difference is not due to the absence of work. In fact, I would argue that it has more to do with having the ability to choose what work I want to do. Work or play, retirement or gainful employment, are we built to be satisfied with what we have? Or is the grass always greener on the other side? Chris Mamula is the writer behind the popular financial blog, Can I Retire Yet? He is also author of the book, Choose FI, Your Blueprint to Financial Independence. Today, he's joined by his wife, Kim, in our discussion about how and when we choose to leave work. We ask not just can, but why retire anyway? In the words of a recent reader interviewed for a post on the Can I Retire Yet blog, why would I want to stop contributing to my profession and the world in general and instead spend my time trying to get to the next level in Mario Brothers? Why? Indeed. Chris and Kim, welcome to the Earn and Invest podcast. Chris, I want to start with you. Were you unhappy before you retired? Uh, Yes, I was dissatisfied. I'd put it that way. Um, I was a physical therapist. Um, You know, like being in the healthcare profession. I think most people that get into that, they go in with the idea like wide-eyed, I'm going to help people. I'm going to make the world a better place. And then really quickly, like you realize what our healthcare system is. And that's part of it. Uh, and especially for me, like I was an outpatient orthopedic, like almost everybody got better. It was a fun environment, but like just the administrative stuff and just the boredom of doing the same thing over and over. Yeah. I was just ready for a change. So I would say I was ready for a change and dissatisfied, not necessarily unhappy. Kim, I want to ask you the exact opposite question. You guys got to the point where you looked at your finances and in a sense said, we have enough money. 
Kim, would you have been unhappy if you had retired when Chris did four years ago? I think I would have been. Um, I actually like my company. I like my job. My job is challenging. It really makes me think. And I like that. Um, So I don't. And I think it might have been too much if we both did it at the same time. I'm not a person that likes change. And so that would have been very drastic change for us both to just be done. I would have not been happy with that outcome, I don't think. I think like like we talk about like this retirement decision and the financial independence decision, like it's one size fits all, but like our career. So I worked for the same company for 15 years and I was a physical therapist the whole time. Like I went kind of had that traditional career path where you go to school, get a degree, and then you do something in that field. She had a, she had a bachelor's in math. And she started working for an actuarial firm. And then I'm trying to even think how your career path went, but you switched when we moved back to our hometown, she worked in HR and she went back and got an MBA. And then she went back again and got a master's in operations research. And as soon as she finished her degree, she got laid off. So she never actually worked in that field after working so hard. And that's around that time when we were getting close to FI. So she got this job offer with a company that was totally remote and let her do this field that she worked in. So it was just drastically different circumstances. Like she was looking for this challenge. Whereas for me, I was kind of burnt out from doing the same thing. So it's very different decision. I think going in. Kim, as I mentioned in my introduction, you know, you can play with this word retirement. I left my job as a doctor and yet I find myself probably busier than ever. If you call this podcast a job, then I'm definitely not retired. Look at Chris's lifestyle. Do you feel he's quote unquote retired now? Would you define it that way? I would say yes, because he kind of makes his own schedule. He's busy writing his blog and um, he was taking a CFP exam. So he was studying a lot this past year. He's busy, but it's on his terms and he's enjoying what he does. And then if he wants to be more involved with our daughter's life, he is. If he wants to go out and ski, he does. And so to me, that is retired, that freedom to do what you want, when you want. And he has that. Chris, do you agree? I mean, do you feel retired? And does it have anything to do with making money? Do I feel retired? I mean, I feel like I have control of my schedule and my time, which is what I want. Do I feel retired? I don't know. Like, I'm definitely working. Um, And yeah, it does. I think it does have something to do with money because when you are like traditionally retired, like living off of even social security is different. Like I think what most people think of retirement, but like early retirement where you're living off of just investments. I think it just gives you this mindset of scarcity where it's like, you know, there's a constant question, like what's the safe withdrawal rate? How much can I spend? We just don't have that. We probably could be financially independent. I don't think you ever really know for sure. And I think it's important to be honest about that, but like, it doesn't even matter because we basically live off of earned income and are by the time we actually would need to. I mean, our, our withdrawal rate would be so low because right now we're basically living off of earned income still, even though we don't necessarily need it. Yeah. It's funny. We have this huge debate about safe withdrawal rates, but if you're making enough money to cover your monthly needs, your safe withdrawal rate is effectively zero, uh, which is a pretty solid place to be, especially if you don't mind the kind of work you're doing to make money. Kim, it begs a question we love to argue about things like the safe withdrawal rate, right? How much money do we need so that we don't have to work again? Do you have an idea in your mind what enough really looks like when it comes to money? And when you guys first discovered this idea of financial independence, did you believe the numbers? 
it took me a while to get there to believe the numbers. And we always went off the 25% withdrawal rate, but I like security. That wasn't good enough for me. <laughs> and so I wanted it to be more than that. And as far as when is enough, I don't know. I I like the idea of right now of just being able to cover our expenses and not drawing down. Um, it just seems a lot of our resources are in the stock market. Let's just put it that way. And there's just been so much up and down, up and down, up and down that it doesn't make me feel very secure. And so I don't know what that rate is. And we talk about this pretty often because to what Chris said, you know, we could pretty much be financially independent, but you just never know. And I'm always want to play it safe. Kim, I want to push you on this idea a little more because I think it's at the crux of the problem a lot of us have. When you ask your average person what enough is, it generally is about double what they have, um, regardless of what they have. I feel the way you do, and I struggle with the same issue. Could you see this idea that there may never be enough then? Because when it comes to safety and security, is there ever a for sure? I don't know if there's ever a for sure, but. I I want to say we would say 25%. 25 times. 25 times, I'm sorry. And I, th- I was thinking 33 times would make me feel best because I don't think that we need to go double, but at the same time, just because everyone always said, well, 25% and we proved it, but this is a different time. This is a very different time than when that was based on. So I'd feel better if we were at 33 times as opposed to 25. I think a common thing, like, like I've been super involved with the whole fire community and like a question is like, how do you get your spouse on board? (laughs) And for us, like, it's never been an issue at all. Like we started, we had no idea what fire was, but we just started when I was still in grad school and we started living off of, she started working a year ahead of me living off her completely and she had some school debt and I was, my family was just super anti-debt. So before we even got married, we started living off her salary and any little bit I made, I was putting, paying her debt off. And then my first couple paychecks finished getting her out of debt. And then it was just working for us. So we always lived off her salary and we always saved mine and we agreed to it and it was comfortable and it felt good. And then where we actually started having tr- problems with money and like money became a stress in our life is like when we made this transition. So it was pretty unique, I think, at least from what I hear about because for her, money is such a security thing. And for me, it never was. It was always about like what's next and the opportunities it provides. And so like when we got to this point, that's when money became a stress. But I think it's very different than what people talk about all the time is like one person usually finds this and how do I get my partner? And I don't really have much to offer because we were always on the same page. We got off the same page actually when we had more money than we ever had. And then all of a sudden money became a stress in our relationship. Kim, was there ever this feeling like, wait, Chris gets to retire and do whatever he wants and I don't. And hey, maybe we could be using that extra money. I mean, was there some friction there when he said, I kind of want to leave and I'm done? No, I was totally on board with that. I would say once it actually happened, though, it wasn't a friction about, hey, we could be making more money if you would just work. It was more he wants to go out and play all the time. And I can't because I'm working and I know that I choose to work because I like to work. And I feel like sometimes, you know, it's that becomes the stressor more so and more so the issue because I want him to understand 
yes, I'm choosing to work because I made the choice. I have to do this now. So I can't just go and play and go out and ski right now or go climb right now. And then he gets frustrated because it's he can right now at this moment. And there's just kind of that clash there. But as far as you could be earning money right now, never. No, because I'm fine. You know, and I'm fine with the choice that I made. It's just more of him understanding that I don't have the freedom that he does. Do you wish you had more freedom or do you ever feel like you're missing out? Yes, I do feel like I'm missing out. Um, (laughs) Just for instance, this year we're having a great winter, lots of snow and skiing. I would love to be up there so much more than I am. But it's also a choice, you know, like, again, I made that choice to not be. And sometimes maybe it's just better to not always be there because, again, well, the grass is always greener, right? So if I was up there all the time, it might not be so enjoyable. Um, So I, I guess I see it both ways. Chris, Kim brings up this idea that the grass is always greener. She says that from someone who's employed and looking at you as you're going out and having fun, does it work the other way? I mean, do you ever look at Kim or do you ever look back at some of your work years and say, boy, there are these things that I thought I didn't want. And now that I have this freedom, I sometimes crave, let's say, structure. or I sometimes crave the personal interactions. Is there anything that you sometimes miss about work? I don't don't miss my old career at all. Like I, I have not had one day where I was like, Man, I wish I had to go into the office and be a physical therapist, but I do miss those interactions. Uh, Kim mentioned a little bit, but I, last year I spent, I was getting my CFP and that kind of grew out of during the pandemic, like when everybody was just isolated and I was extremely just bored, lonely, depressed, I think. And so um, I talked to Jillian from um, Jillian Johnsred, um, people in the community I'm sure know, and she, I was kind of talking to her and she just suggested, why don't I reach out to my audience and just start connecting with them. And so I did, and I really loved that, but I felt like handcuffed, like I couldn't say what I wanted to say to them and help them. And so like last year, then when the pandemic was dragging on, I went and got my CFP and like, yeah, that's something I think I want to do is like start going from writing, which I like, and it gives me control of my schedule, but it's very isolated to like starting to use that as almost a marketing instead of the business itself and being able to connect and help people. And, and cause I do miss that part of being a physical therapist. So that's kind of the next step for me as I kind of evolve. And yeah, cause I don't think you really know what you want until you get out and actually start doing it and you see what you miss and what you liked and you can think about it and you should, uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's a good predictor of what, what the future holds. Chris, help me understand this down and depressed. You're not working, you're enjoying the outside life. Kim is like, I'm stuck in the house working and you're going out having fun. What was there to be down and depressed about? So we moved, so we moved from Pennsylvania to Utah in 2018. So we had like a year and a half and we just found our community here. Like we found, we love this place. And then the pandemic shut everything down. So we were just in this isolation. And then you know, stuff it's, you know, everybody's experienced in their own way, but it's been just a weird two years. And then it was really like the end of last year. I still wasn't sure I wanted to do the whole CFP thing. Literally, I had been talking to people and looking at programs and it was like the, I don't even remember which phase it was, whatever the new strain was at the end of last year, at the end of 2020 or 2021, I guess. And um, so we had that going on. And then I got this ad for like one of the CFP programs were offering a discount. I was like, you know, it's screwed. I need a big challenge. So that's literally the amount of that went into this huge decision, thousands of dollars and hundreds of hours of my last year. 
Um, but I decided to do it and see where it took me. And yeah, I'm grateful that I did. It was, it was, gave me a challenge I need. It gave me kind of like you mentioned some structure that I need. And it gave me a path to that connection with people that I've kind of been craving. So yeah, I'm excited about where it's going to take, take me and what comes next. Kim, you've said here that, that you like work and it gives you some sense of security and some sense of structure. Chris kind of knew as he was getting burned out that it was time to leave his job. How will you know when it is for you? Like, can you foresee a future where you'll say, okay, now it's time to stop working and what would get you there? Actually, I feel like I'm approaching that. <laughs> I One of the aspects of me wanting to work when all of this financial independence started and Chris retired was I loved my company. I was a seventh employee. Um, it was a newer company, young company, and I loved it. It felt more like a family and it has grown so much in the last several years it's up to over 40 people and it's just not the same. I'm seeing a lot of differences, meaningful differences to me. And um, it makes me not as happy there. And I don't feel, I guess, because I don't have that same sense of how much I'd like them and enjoy them and enjoy this company. It makes me pull away from them a bit and pull away from work. And then I guess lately work that I've been working on hasn't been as engaging as I like. And with new people coming in, they're kind of taking on the projects that would be engaging to me. And that's what I really want to do. So all those frustrations are starting to build up and make me, I guess, kind of leaning towards, I think I'm going to be ready soon. If not completely, then to just at least cut down more and go play more. <laughs> she's since we had our daughter, she's always worked part-time like 30-ish hours, give or take. Um and that's what she still does. And and again, her company is completely remote. So when we talk like she doesn't have the freedom I do, but I don't know, you probably ski four days a week. <laughs> and like it's not like she's like going to the office and like in the grind. So she already has a good bit of freedom too. So just to be clear. Can let me give you a hypothetical. Let's say that your work environment, the way you are right now, got to the point where you're like, okay, this is not really fulfilling me anymore. What if there was another job out there that could kind of bring back some of what you like about this job? Do you think if you were going to leave this job that you would retire and stop working? Or do you think you would pursue another job if it had those aspects that you like about work? So I've actually put thought into this. Um, I would look for more of a contracting opportunity opportunities. So then I have the ability to choose, yes, I want to do this or no, I don't want to do this. Does this fit in with timing as far as maybe family vacations or summertime when our daughter's off? It would give me a lot more freedom in that sense. And the other part of that was, is Chris is finishing his CFP certification. If he's going to start his own practice, I would love to be able to work on the business side of that, I guess you could say. I, he had mentioned I have an MBA and I didn't get to use that very much. That would just be another idea that would be really intriguing if I can make or develop spreadsheets or tools that he would then use to um, work with clients. That's the stuff I love to do. I think that's where I would go next. I don't want to just not do anything. I think I would go crazy if I did that. 
Yeah, and I think like what Kim's talking about, and I, again, this is probably something maybe um, we don't talk about enough, like with this whole fire community is like just dealing with that whole like paradox of choice. Like I found that too, like I struggle with, okay, now I can do anything I want, but what do I actually want to do? And it, it's a hard question because I've been five years now since I left my career and I'm still like just experimenting. And sometimes I feel like a butterfly, just like floating or a bee or whatever this, the thing is going from flower to flower and just figuring it out. And sometimes that's liberating. And sometimes it's kind of just stressful. Like, man, I could be doing so much more if I actually knew what I wanted, but I don't know. It's a hard question. Like, I don't know if there is one thing and maybe that's what it is. You do something for a couple of years and then you, you move forward. And that's what I was kind of thinking with it being an independent contractor idea. It would just give me so much variety and I wouldn't ever get bored, but it would be a limited number of hours, a limited time frame, And I think I would really enjoy that or even to take on something totally different if he would start his own practice. And, you know, like I said, to use my MBA to do a business aspect of it or develop tools, I kind of have an idea. It's just a matter of, I don't know what's right. And I don't know if you know that until you're in that position. Chris, it's kind of interesting because as we talk about you getting your CFP and maybe starting your own practice, that's not really sounding retired anymore, right? You can say, okay, writing a blog, maybe making some money on the side. That sounds like, okay, kind of a retirement. But having your own CFP practice doesn't, which begs for me the question, is the idea retirement versus not retirement versus maybe you just picked the wrong profession in the first place? That's a tough question. Like I, I think how we look at money and, and earning money, like the the kind of the hack that I don't think we talk enough about with the whole FI thing is we now we we don't really have to save anymore. I think we were both comfortable with that. Like for our daughter's college, for our own retirement. We don't have a house payment anymore. We have a paid off house. What we're talking about, like when we're talking about work, the bar is so much lower. So yeah, I mean, even if I did like when I, when she says like, if I started a practice, I'm not looking to like manage $10 billion or something. I'm talking like if I have a reader, so I can now write, get rid of the ads, which I hate on my site, uh, which are just so distracting even to me. And I, I like, I think it turns off readers. So get rid of that stuff that I don't like anymore. Don't worry about the stuff like there. And again, just being able to focus on the stuff you really want. So maybe I take two clients a month. But I mean, you can make a decent amount of money. And again, we don't need much money even to like when we talk about covering our expenses, uh, we're covering them with her part time income. It's just really shifting the conversation, I guess, versus like thinking of traditional what we're talking about when you're starting a business or doing these things. We are talking to Chris and Kim Mamula, and we are discussing retirement. Is the grass greener on the other side? We're going to take a short break. I'm Doc G, and this is the Earn and Invest podcast. This episode is brought to you by Range Rover Sport. Range Rover Sport leads by example. With a visceral, uncompromising, and dramatic feel, This car helps you rise to the occasion. How does it do that? Range Rover Sport has powerful on-road performance and commanding all-terrain capability by combining assertiveness with signature Range Rover refinement. This is the car that redefines sporting luxury. The new Range Rover Sport features advanced cabin technologies such as active noise cancellation and cabin air purification, Purposeful cockpit-like driving position and award-winning PIVI Pro infotainment is at the heart of the experience and provides intuitive control of the vehicle systems. Design your Range Rover Sport at LandRoverUSA.com. 
Once again, explore and build your Range Rover Sport at L-A-N-D-R-O-V-E-R-U-S-A dot com. That's LandRoverUSA.com. Are you struggling to close deals? B2B selling is tougher than ever, and that's why I want to tell you about LinkedIn Sales Navigator. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date, first-party data enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Sales Navigator helps you target the right buyers, service key signals such as job changes or which accounts you should prioritize, and shows you hidden allies so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. LinkedIn Sales Navigator is a sales intelligence platform that helps professionals effectively prospect and engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash earn. That is linkedin.com slash E-A-R-N for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash earn and get started. Chris Manuel is the writer behind the popular financial blog, Can I Retire Yet? He's also the author of the book, Choose FI, Your Blueprint to Financial Independence. Today, he is joined by his wife, Kim, and we are discussing retirement. Should you retire or not, regardless of the money issue? Kim, we were talking before the break about this idea of you maybe would go into consulting or find a job managing his CFP business or using your MBA. Chris is talking about this idea of possibly using his CFP degree once he gets it. I guess the question is this, would you guys do any of these things? Would you, Kim, do the consulting if you weren't getting paid for it? I think that I would, actually. Um, I know when we lived in Pennsylvania, I was trying to help our church a little bit by developing spreadsheets, helping them organize a little bit better. And I really enjoyed that. Um, If he starts his own business and I'm just making tools in the background for him to use, that's not really making money, but I would enjoy it. And here's another, for example, Um, this year we decided let's do taxes on our own instead of paying an accountant to do it. I'm excited to do that. I'm really <laughs> excited to do our own taxes because it is a new challenge. Um, I, I review them every year, but it's different when you're actually preparing them. Yeah, I don't think it's necessarily about the money, although it's obviously a nice bonus. <laughs> and, and I'll kind of give you the flip side of that. Like, again, just kind of layering the conversation a little bit. So I was a physical therapist and I was like, I'm going to miss this. And so I started volunteering with like an adaptive ski program. And when you volunteer, I don't know, like this liability issues and everything like they're, and again, I guess different volunteer opportunities might be different, but like for something like that, you're kind of limited. Like they don't want you to touch anybody. They don't want you to do this and that. Um, but I have this different skill set. Like, for example, like we had this one girl who was like nonverbal. I think she was autistic, I guess. And they had her on skis and she was just like, sometimes she would love it. And then she'd be bawling her head off. And so and they couldn't figure out why, like, was she upset? And so I just said, well, let's take her boots off. And we look and she had these huge red marks. And I was like, well, probably her boots don't fit. And they're like, oh, that's like, how do you know that? I was like, well, like I was a physical therapist. You just look at stuff and you look like how people's body works. And like, but like, so I have these like skills and like, I was working with this guy and like, we had to lift him and like, he was kind of like a little bit of an outlier case. So they let me work with him and like, we would actually be lifting him off the snow. And that was like his big thing. He had a brain tumor. 
So they talked to me about what I want to maybe be one of the like guides, I think is what they term it as, and like be paid. And I was like, well, that might ruin it. And but like by the same token, I was limited as a volunteer. So like I think sometimes there's this idea that volunteer work is like more noble or something, but like if you're volunteering, you're kind of not part of the team in a true sense, and you're maybe limited because of liability, what you can do. So like I, again, it's kind of messy. Like it's it's easy to talk about these things in like idealistic terms, but like when you actually get into the into getting your hands dirty and start doing it, sometimes paid work is actually more you're adding value, so somebody's willing to pay, and there's nothing wrong with that. I think sometimes we have this weird way we look at money and all this emotion that's tied up in it. And there's I don't think there's anything wrong with paid work, and I don't think there's there's nothing wrong with volunteering either. But it's just you know until you actually get in there and try things and and see the actual details of how you feel and how things look when you're doing it, you really just don't know. Chris, let's jump off this idea of paid work. I mean, most of us spend our lives building our career and making money. The thing about both of those things is you kind of have an easy time setting goals, right? It's getting to that next job or that next promotion, or it's getting to some net worth or getting to some type of take-home pay. Talk to me about what goal setting looks like when you've passed some of that financial hurdle, right? And you're now, quote unquote, retired how do you set goals for kind of your post-retirement life? That's a great question. And that's, we just talked about this two days ago because like, you know, it's end of the year and you're talking about stuff. And and Kim said to me about like, we spent way too much money last year. And I was like, well, we talked about being able to live off our investments and we actually had a positive savings rate. Not much, but like we didn't spend anything. Why do we think, why do you think it's too much? Where does that, it's kind of like almost like a judgy statement. Like it's too much. Where does that come from? And, and I don't know, like that's something we're kind of working out ourselves. Like we're at some point we need to sit down and talk about that. Like how much should we be spending? Because if we were living off our investment, probably we would have been spending too high of a percentage of our portfolio because our we're letting our spending grow. Like we traveled, I think we did four or five family vacations. And then I, my mom's been six. So I went back to Pennsylvania on my own an additional two times. Like we did a ton of traveling last year and just, just different stuff that's come up. And we just don't really worry about what we're spending, but like, maybe we should, I don't know. Like, so we have to figure that out. I don't, I don't know the answer, I guess is long-winded way of saying that. Kim, it's an interesting question. So if I were a financial advisor, someone who's familiar with financial independence, looking at your numbers, I would say you could take a 4% safe withdrawal rate of your investments, add that to all the income you make, and you can spend up to that pretty safely, right? So that's 4% of your assets plus all of your income for that year. But my bet is if I suggested that to you, you both would look at me like I was a little bit crazy. I mean, is there, a, how do, do you ever feel financially secure? And I, I mean, honestly, I've struggled with this too, because you can look at the numbers in the bank account and you can do the math, but that doesn't mean it feels good to spend more than you're used to. I guess I'm trying to get to this idea of when you get financially independent, you get to this point where you, maybe you could retire do all of a sudden your worries about your finances get better or are they still plaguing you? And they're plaguing me. I want security. Um, and I don't like the idea of taking from our investments. I don't. I'd like to just be able to cover our expenses. Um, but I know at some point you can take from them. We probably can now. And again, we go back to the 25% withdrawal rate or the 25% rule, 25 times rule or the 33 times rule. I like the 33. I'll feel safer than taking money from the investments. I don't know if there's ever that point. I always want to know that there is something to fall back on. I don't know what your finances are right now, but let's say you hit that 33 times your yearly spending. Do you think you'll be able to spend more? <laughs> 
I'm sorry, would I be able to spend more? Yes. Once you hit that 33 times, do you think your financial worries will kind of disappear and you'll feel confident and comfortable and, and not worried about it? Yes, I do. But I also think that I feel that way now because Chris said earlier that I said we spent an insane amount of money last year, too much money. But with all that spending, I knew because I'm the one that tracks our expenses. I knew how much we were spending, but it didn't hinder me. For example, I got a new mountain bike. I got a backcountry ski set up. Those are big purchases or our five trips. You know, that all adds up. So I knew we were doing that and I was okay with it. And I am okay with it. And I think that's partially because I am working and Chris does have some income. So I know that we are covering that. And he's told me that we've been still saving. And so that makes me feel better. But if we didn't have that income, um, I don't think I would have felt comfortable with the big spending. I'll disagree with her. I don't think she will. (laughs) Uh, And we talk about this. And I don't think it's like something unique to her. Like I think in general, most of us, I think in this community, we're like, we're comfortable being savers. And I think for a lot of us, though, it comes from insecurity about money. Her and I, we have, again, we didn't talk about this at all, but this is just something that I've been kind of mulling in my head. Like, why do we feel different now than when we were accumulating and we had way less and we weren't stressed about money? And like, why is this like a stress for us? And like, for me, like my dad was an entrepreneur and we never made a lot of money, but we just figured it out. And so I have that confidence and like my mom was good at stretching a dollar. And I think obviously we've proven that we're pretty good at that too. Uh, So like, I just, we'll figure it out. And that's kind of, her background is much different. Like money was a big stress. And so I think that's why she feels that way. And like, I look at my own family, like my parents, like both of their families didn't have money and they were reasonably successful. And like, I manage their money now. So I know exactly what they have and what they spend. And I tell my, my dad, especially all the time, it's like, He's always worried about like what this costs and what that costs. I was like, you're spending virtually nothing. You, you could spend so much more. And I even talked, like I mentioned, I was talking to readers and that was like a common theme. Like I talked to one guy, he was like in his sixties. I think he had in the neighborhood of like $7 million and he wasn't sure if he had enough. And to like, to your point, I think what you need is always a little bit more than what you have right now. Yeah. So I think like, like, as I think about like advising people and helping people, I hope I can help give people confidence to be able to use their money to actually do what they want to do. And and like to Kim's defense, like we are doing that. We're spending a lot. I want her to feel more confident and comfortable. And that's what we talk about. Like, cause I don't think she does. And I don't think she will, if we hit some magic number, I, I still think that's a kind of a mental block in her head. Grace, you've mentioned now two or three times this idea that when you had less, you actually had a little bit less money stress. And now you feel like you have more money stress. Can you be more explicit about that? What exactly is the money stress now? And why do you think it's higher? Well, I think we had no stress because we were so ignorant. We didn't, we just didn't talk about money. Like we had, so again, like there's this idea that like, you know, you're fire, you're like ultra frugal, you're not doing anything. Like we were traveling the world. We went to Super Bowl. Like we were doing ski vacations. We scuba dive. Like, so we just lived in a relatively low cost area. We chose to way less house and way less car than we quote unquote could afford. We had no idea what we were doing. We weren't doing the fire thing. We had no idea what our investments were doing. And we were just happy there. Like we were spending the money, what we tell people now, like, you know, spend money on things you value and don't spend on what you don't. We just figured that out intuitively, however, uh, whether it be luck or whatever. Uh, And so we just were happy. And like, once we became aware of our money and where it was going, I think it brought out those differences in like, again, my background where 
neither of us grew up with a lot of money, but for me, it wasn't a source of stress. Like we just figured out my parents were relatively good with money. And for her, it was a source of stress and uh, maybe even trauma, you could say, because it caused a lot of fights in their house and stuff. And, and so, yeah, I think being aware is maybe not, it was a great thing as far as our net worth, but as for our relationship, I don't know that being aware was a great thing. Kim, I'm interested in how this looks as a parent. So we've been talking about retiring versus not retiring. We've been talking about financial independence and financial security. How do you think this translates into what your daughter learns from you guys? What do you think she's taking away from your different experiences of having Chris retired and you still working? She definitely notices it. And because of that, she thinks that I make all the money. <laughs> and so she'll say to me, well, dad, mom has to work because she's the one that pays for her house, you know, and she doesn't. And I'll explain to her, no, dad is working, too. And we tried. We're very open with her. She's only 10, but she is very smart for a 10 year old. Um, and so we explained to her, yeah, it's nice. Dad goes on that field trip with your class and could chaperone because he and I worked really hard to put him in a position where he doesn't have to be at a job and he can have that freedom to go do that with you, you know, and we bring that up to her a lot. Or if we go skiing, um, we'll say, isn't it nice to have us both be able to ski with you because we're not tied to a job right now, like most parents. And I think she does get that. Um, we do stress to her though, that we worked hard to get here because I don't want her to ever think that everything just comes easy and she doesn't have to do anything or work very hard and she's going to be set up like this. Chris addressed that point. I've heard many people argue, and especially women with daughters who argue that they want to be a role model for their children. And part of that being a role model is having a job, making money, supporting the household. Do you ever worry that your modeling for your daughter might be teaching her something that isn't advantageous in her future? No, because I think I generally, again, like we talked about the stress. I don't want to overblow that, like the stress between us. Like, like, I think we have a relatively healthy relationship with money. I think to me, that's the most important thing. Like, I think um, just teaching her what money can do, but also what it can't do. And I, I think so many people like money is so stressful. And I, I want her to learn that it's not. I do kind of worry, like, are we spoiling her? Like, I know Kim, I don't think ever left the state of Pennsylvania other than like with a school, like cheerleading competition when she was in school. For me, like when I was a little kid, my dad had a normal job and we would do some traveling. And then he started his own small photography business, which he was super busy, like in the summer. So we did for probably from the time I was eight until I graduated high school, I didn't do a vacation other than maybe a long weekend to the beach or to a baseball game or something. And so, yeah, like I, I worry, like, does she understand like the lifestyle we live is not normal. And like, so we try to kind of just point out little things. And I, I like, like Kim said, like our daughter is very perceptive for a 10 year old. So I think she's getting it, but yeah, I guess you never know. And that's definitely a worry. Like I don't want her to be lazy or think like you don't have to work or stuff comes easy. Like this was very intentional. And, and I hope, I hope we can pass it on to her. Kim, in general, do you think this knowledge of what financial independence is and being there has made you guys happier? I mean, is it added to your life? Oh, definitely. Um, if Chris never went down this road, he'd probably still be working full time and I'd still be working a lot more. And our daughter wouldn't have 
our attention as much as she does, which I think would make her develop in a completely different way. So yeah, life is definitely better that we've discovered financial independence. I think for all those reasons, just to not be married to an office for 40 hours a week, you know, before when we were both working so much, all we could do was play on the weekends because, you know, you're busy during the week with work. There's no time for other stuff. And then the weekends would come and kind of want to spend time with your kid because you don't see her all week because you're working. Um, But this has given us a lifestyle. We get to play during the week. She gets our so much of our attention. And then we still have our weekends free to do whatever. It's definitely happy we found financial independence. I should say that Chris found it because he's the one that went down the road and learned and learned and learned and kind of made a plan for us. Chris, they say that hindsight is twenty twenty, but even so, looking back, is there anything you would have done differently? Would you have chosen a different path or done it differently? I, I always, I think that's a hard question. Um, we got on this path. The reason I write is not because we did everything so well. It's because we had such a bad experience with a financial advisor. I don't know if we would have been as good, uh, just kind of being carefree and would have done all those things if we knew about FI and we were like so focused on a goal. So would we have went to Africa and Australia and two Super Bowls and all this stuff that we did? I don't know. Um, I hope we would have because I don't regret that at all. And then also, I think I would have, I mean, I, I hope I would have been smart enough and I would have did stuff different with our investing, our tax planning and stuff. But then the fact that I didn't, that kind of gave, like, that's the reason I'm so into this. I think a lot of people in the fire community, it's like optimizing every little thing. And that's not me at all. Like, so I want to help people to achieve their best life as quick as they can. And I think because I've made so many dumb mistakes, I can communicate that better and I can help people. And I do have that passion where I probably just wouldn't. Like, I think a lot of people, they write about the path to fire and then they stop writing about it. And I think that's why not only do I continue writing about it, but I went and got my CFP and I'm thinking about doing this. It's something I'm passionate about. So I, yeah, I probably would have done stuff different, but I don't know if that would have been for the best. I mean, I, I don't know where we would have been. It would have been, you do these counterfactuals, where would you end up? I don't know. So Kim, you've now been living this, watching Chris be retired, still working yourself, being financially independent. What do you think people get wrong about retirement? Like when you hear people, especially, I don't know, I know that that Chris was the one who first found financial independence, but when you hear people talk about fire retiring early, is there something that they miss because they haven't lived through it the way you guys have? Well, I know that he gets a lot of slack for saying he's retired when he's not. And he's he's doing what he likes, though. He's not the same person he was when he, he would come home from his physical therapy job and just be complaining and miserable or having to get out of bed the next day to go to that job. Now he enjoys what he does. And it's not, I have to do this. Um, but he does it because he choose to, chooses to. I think that's what people typically think differently about when they say, oh, he's not really retired. Like He is for that reason. Chris, is there anything about retirement, any problem you thought it would solve that it didn't? I mean, I think just in general, yeah, I think in general that retirement is way over, I don't know if glamorized is the right word, but it's like, it's the goal for like basically all financial planning stuff. You have the brochures and they show the people walking on the beach and whatever. And I was, it's kind of weird because I was kind of helping my parents with their finances. And so I was talking a lot with them as they were going through a traditional retirement while I was going through this early retirement. And yeah, I think for both of us, like 
you lose this sense of who you are and what your purpose is and what you're doing. And I think that's way under talked about. Um, I think kind of like we talked about that whole scarcity thing, like you think like you're just going to like be the, especially as a fire person. So you're saving a ton of money. You're saving 40, 50, 60%. And the idea that you can just like flip a light switch and go to spending it, um, I think is a huge error for 99% of the people. Again, because I think a lot of people probably are saving because it does provide that security. Um, so yeah, I think there's a lot of things that work provides. And so I, again, we even talked like when I came on and started with, it was called Can I Retire Yet? I didn't start that blog. I partnered with Daryl Kirkpatrick who started it seven or eight years before I was just a reader of it. And we talked about, should we rebrand? Is that even what we want to focus on is retirement? And it was a conscious decision to keep that name, A, just because we had some traction with it, but also B, that's where most people are. Uh, so we kind of meeting people where they are, but then I want to challenge that. And like, is retirement even the right goal? Like that was my goal when I started, but like now that I'm down this path, I don't know that I ever want to not work at all, not earn income at all. I don't know where I'll be in five or 10 years, but right now that's not a huge priority for me. Well, I wanted to thank you both for coming on the show to have this conversation. I wanted to interview you both because on one hand, we have one person who's retired and the other person who isn't, and yet you're both financially independent. And it really begs the question, is the grass greener on the other side? But the conclusion we come to, or it seems that we come to, is that we're asking the wrong questions. It's not whether you're retired or not. It's not whether you're making money or not. The question is, can you build a financial framework, a feeling of security so that you can eventually do those things you want to do, whether you're retired or not, whether you make money or not? And it's been a pleasure to listen to you both because that's exactly what you're doing. I want to end this show the way I end every show by asking you what's up next in your life and where people can find you. Chris, I'm going to orient this question to you so you can mention the blog, but what's coming up next with Can I Retire Yet? And if people want to reach out to you or Kim, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, so um, my home on the internet is canireretireyet.com and um, I have contact information on there and I love to connect with people. So that's the best way. Um, I don't know what exactly is going to become of the blog in my future. I'm kind of figuring that out, but I think that'll have some presence so you can find me there. And then uh, if anybody wanted to talk to Kim, I, I guess that's the best way is just through an email there and you can connect with both of us through my contact email. This has been the Earn and Invest podcast. On behalf of myself, Doc G, I wanted to thank Chris and Kim Mamula. That's a wrap. Earn and Invest is now part of the Airwave Media Podcast Network. Visit airwavemedia.com to listen and subscribe to this show as well as other fine podcasts. All right, I keep things running just for a few minutes afterwards so we can catch the app for the after show. Um, yeah, you know, it's an interesting conversation because I do think we put this goal up of retiring. Um, and I'm not sure I know what that means anymore exactly, because, again, I don't even know what I am. I kind of half-heartedly call myself retired, but then I still do some hospice work, but I kind of do that for fun more than I do it for money. But then the pod, like this podcast takes a lot of work. I mean, it's 20 to 30 hours a week, um, which I don't make much money doing it. It's more kind of a passion, but it's it's work. <laughs> you know, there's no question about it. I, I get sometimes stressed and anxious because I'm like, oh, my God, I have this interview. I have to make sure I'm prepared and I'm ready, blah, blah, blah. Um, they're blurry lines, aren't they? Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I am. Um, 
I was gonna say like like one of the things I look at is like I when I started going on this path and, and I probably get the facts wrong but directionally this is right but like the whole idea of retirement it was like I think it was like in Germany in like the early 1900s or something and like when we were starting to get into industrialization and like they just had too many workers and they had to get rid of people so like basically you were retired like, like you would retire an old pair of shoes or something because uh, you weren't useful anymore and then like now it's like the like again it's Again, I don't know if glamorize is the right word, but it's the goal for like all financial planning and everything is like, how do you get to this point? And, and like, like, I don't know, I guess it is important because like a lot of people don't choose to retire, but um, like, so you should have enough money like, if you had to, but like, is the golden never work? I don't, I don't know if that's the right goal or not. Kim, would life have been easier if you guys had never, ever discovered fire? <laughs> no, I don't think so. Um, like I said, I think we would still be just working a lot and not enjoying life um as far as <laughs> we do have money ish arguments i should say or disagreements we do have money disagreements now because of the financial independence chris alluded to that earlier um so i maybe that aspect of it wouldn't be there but there's always something to disagree about so something else would be the issue you know Maybe it was you didn't do this or you didn't do this because we're both too busy working. And, you know, so there's always going to be something. And frankly, I'd rather have it be a disagreement about he thinks we have too much money. And then maybe <laughs> don't think that we do. I would prefer that disagreement. That's a good place to be if that's your issue. Yeah, it. I was I was. So not holding my tongue, but I was listening to you say things like we spent a lot last year. Right. And, you know, part of me was like, I bet that, like you said, you had a net positive savings. Um, it's such a funny thing. What we consider a lot, like I'm one of those outliers because I was a very high income person. Like my version of spending a lot and your version of spending a lot would probably be incredibly different. Right. Um, but it's interesting, right? Because technically, if you're not even decumulating, right? Technically, if you're not even spending any of your investments, you've got the ultimate safe withdrawal rate of 0%, right? Or even a little bit negative, right? Because you're saving. Like that would suggest you can spend a lot more money, like not a little more money, like a lot more money, like double type thing. Um, but that doesn't necessarily feel good, even if our brain can tell us that, right? And that's like what we actually did. Like, so we, we like, she's a spreadsheet junkie. So like we monitor all our own investments on there and stuff. And I had her add a thing for like, like what our inflows and our outflows. Cause like any month, like where we'd have a shortfall and we have to take from savings. She'd be like, Oh, we're spending too much. We have to take from savings. I was like, yeah, but that's cause you're like, we're putting it into your retirement accounts. So we're just taking it from one pocket and putting it into the <laughs> other. So like when you look at the inflows and the outflows, no, we're saving money. We're not even spending anything. So like, but yeah, like just little stuff like that to give peace of mind, um, to actually see things in black and white, but yeah, yeah it's, it's, a, it's, it's definitely hard. A... The other part of it is I'm an analyst and a lot with analyzing is you look at historical. So I said, we spent a lot of money this year because that's relative to what we spent last year the years right. before, you know, so if you're looking at a curve, you're seeing this and all of a sudden you're seeing this this year, you know, hopefully it's going to go curve back down next year. But when you look at it that way and you're looking at patterns over time, this year was a lot compared to prior years. 
And so that's how I look at it. And it's just a different way of looking. And again, I'm the one that tracks expenses. So I know exactly what we spend. (laughs) Exactly. I'm the one paying the credit card bills Um, where he doesn't. You know, he was way underestimating our annual um, expenses, which was another reason I was uncomfortable with. Hey, we're 25 times. We're good to go. Well, you're not even quite at the same page as me with the expenses, you know, so. Yeah, we we don't track expenses at all. I have no idea how much we spend. All I can tell you is I haven't liquidated any investments in 10 years to spend on something. So I already know, like my, my rule of thumb is as long as I'm not liquidating investments, I'm fine. Right. Yeah. So I have, this I have no year. idea. I have no idea how much we spend. I mean, I, I have, I have a guesstimate cause we, you know, I can look at, at things, but we don't track a word of it. We haven't, we've never, but we certainly don't now. Yeah. I think the only reason we started to is when he started going down the financial independence path and to know what 25 times your expenses is, you need to know what your expenses are. And so we started tracking it then and we just kind of keep with it. And it does help me to see, all right, if this is what we have in our assets and I know that we spent X amount this year, we're no longer at 25 times or now we're only at 20 times, you know, and it helps me because I'm the one that's so insecure about having money taken from investments. Yeah. 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 And and a way a way to truly deal with that is exactly what you're doing is again, if you always have some income, even if it's not as much, right? So you make your job into exactly incredibly what you want it to be, right? Doing it incredibly part-time or doing only those things you like to do. So you're still having income, then 20 and 25 times doesn't matter as much because you have in, you actually have active income because all of those cl- calculations are based on a hundred percent withdrawal from your assets, right? So that's at least the nice part is as opposed to trying to fix this idea of I should feel comfortable with this because the numbers make sense. The reality is I don't feel comfortable with this. So the the end around to that is just make a little money. Right. And then you don't, and then you don't have to try to change what's maybe innate in your nature. You can just say, Oh, well, I'm making money and that's going to make up for any shortfall. And that makes life easier. Right. Yeah. And again, like the bar is so low because like we don't have a house payment. We don't have a car payment. Like mm-hmm. we live in a relatively even our home taxes, like they're going up, but like we have hardly anything that's fixed. So like, yeah, maybe we do two vacations instead of five next year. Maybe we yeah. like ride the old bike for one more year and get it fixed versus getting a new couple thousand dollar mountain bike. And like, so like most of our spending is like outdoor stuff, travel, charity, like, like it's all almost all discretionary. So that's a lot of spending if you're just having fun with it. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. Tech moves fast. So keep pace with the Daily Crunch podcast from TechCrunch. With new episodes every day, this podcast will give you a quick overview on everything you need and should know about startups, new tech, regulations, and more. Listen to TechCrunch Daily Crunch now, wherever you get your podcasts. That's TechCrunch Daily Crunch, wherever you get your podcasts.